Chapter Four of the Sea Witch. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jerry Dixon. The Sea Witch by Murray Maturin Ballou. Chapter Four. Bramble Park. Changing the field of our story from the blue waves to that of land, we must ask the reader to go back with us for a period of years from that wherein our story is opened, to the fertile country and highly cultivated lands in the neighborhood of Manchester, England. Sir Robert Bramble's estate was some eight miles from the large manufacturing town just named, and embraced within its grounds some of the most delightfully situated spots within a day's ride in any direction parks gardens ponds groves stables and fine animals in short every accompaniment to a fine english estate sir robert was a man of not much force of character had inherited his estates and had partly exhausted his income so far as to render a degree of economy imperatively necessary a fact which was not calculated to render any more amiable a naturally irritable disposition the family at Bramble Park, as the estate was called, consisted of Sir Robert and his lady, a weak-minded but once beautiful woman, and two sons, Robert and Charles, the eldest at this period some twelve years of age, the youngest about nine, and the usual number of servants, indoors and out, made up the household. Sir Robert's could hardly, he said, to be a very happy household notwithstanding there seemed to be every element and requisite to be found there for peaceful domestic happiness and perhaps it would have puzzled a casual observer to have ascertained wherein laid the root of that evil which like a poisonous upas seemed to spread its branches through the household there was a cloud apparently shadowing each face there there was constantly some trouble of a domestic character sir robert and lady bramble seemed to be not on the best of terms with each other and the servants wore a hang-dog look as though they expected at any moment to be called to account for some piece of rascality there was however one pleasant face in that household though even that seemed tempered by sadness this was the youngest brother charles he was or rather would have been a cheerful happy boy but for the malign influence of his brother robert who seemed as opposite in almost everything robert was jealous irritable and revengeful charles was open-hearted mild and forgiving robert was cruel to both servants and animals charles was kind to all and a favorite with all even the dumb animals avoided one and adhered to the other instinctively knowing a friend robert was the first-born and the favorite with his mother whom he ruled literally in all things while sir robert looking upon him as the legal heir and representative of his name of course considered him in a somewhat different light from that in which he regarded charles at times it seemed as though an evil spirit had taken possession of robert's heart and he delighted in oppressing domineering over and abusing his brother who though he did not lack for spirit yet could never bring it to bear against robert he meekly bore his reproaches and abuse and even at times had suffered personal chastisement at his hands without complaint to his parents rather than irritate both them and himself by referring to so disagreeable a matter with a naturally patient disposition he suffered much without complaint 
Sir Robert and Lady Bramble seemed blind to the fact that the unbounded indulgence which they yielded to their eldest child was rendering still worse a disposition and habit which were already an affliction in themselves. But Robert was persevering, and would always carry his point, let it be what it might, teasing and cajoling the mother until she granted his wishes, however absurd they might be. He domineered over every one, mother, father, servant, maids, and servant-men. He was the terror of all. Charles added to his light-heartedness and cheerfulness of spirit, great agility, and for a boy of his age remarkable strength, in which matters Robert was deficient, and here his jealousy found ample scope. Charles, too, was remarkably apt with his studies, whereas Robert generally ended his lessons by quarreling with his tutor and setting both father and mother against him, by which reason the worthy who filled that post at Bramble Park was usually changed at least once in six or eight weeks, and thus were matters at the period to which we refer. It seemed as though Robert was never happy unless he was doing someone harm, or distressing some of the many pet animals about the spacious grounds. In this latter occupation he passed much of his leisure time, and was a great adept at the business. A fine St. Charles Spaniel, belonging to Lady Bramble, had one day, after being teased beyond forbearance by Robert, at last in self-defense, snapped at and lightly bit him, in revenge for which the violent-tempered boy vowed to kill him, and the very next opportunity he had, he seized upon the little pet, and tying a string and stone about its neck, bore the dog to the large pond in the center of the park, where he threw him into the deepest part. Charles at that moment came in sight, and at once saw the act. Without pausing to take off his clothes or any part of them, he sprang at once into the pond and dove down for the dog, but he found the stone about its neck too heavy for him to bring to the surface, though he struggled long and stoutly to do so before he yielded. Swimming to the shore, Charles took his knife from his pocket and once more dashed in, and this time diving down he cut the cord and, releasing the dog from the bottom, swam with him to the opposite shore from where Robert stood all the while threatening him. Here his younger brother smoothed the water from the dog's coat, and instinctively rubbing its benumbed limbs until it became quite resuscitated, and after a short time, following close to Charles for protection, it returned to his mother's side in her boudoir. But Robert had been there before him, and had already manufactured a story redounding to Charles' discredit, and provoking both his mother's and father's anger, the latter of whom at Robert's instance even struck the gallant-hearted boy a severe blow with the flat of his hand as a punishment for what he denominated an interference with his brother's sport. Charles said nothing. He knew the prejudice which Robert's constant misrepresentations had created against him in his parents' breasts. He realized, too, young as he was, that it was useless for him to attempt to explain, though he felt the injustice of this treatment and so with a quivering lip he turned away from the scene and went in his wet clothes to the servants' hall where he might dry them. He said nothing, but looked much sadder than usual as he stood there before the fire. A coarse but honest servant, Leonard Hust, who had been born on the estate, and whose father before him had been a servant in Sir Robert's household, came stealthily to Charles's side, and busied himself in helping him to arrange his clothes and dry them while he smoothed the boy's hair and wiped his face. 
Never mind, Master Charles, said the honest fellow, noticing the trembling lips of the handsome boy. Never mind, it's a gallant act in you, and though I say it, who shouldn't perhaps? Master Robert never would have dared to do it. He hasn't got half your courage and strength, though he's bigger and older. A tear was all the answer that the boy vouchsafed to his honest effort at consolation. He, too proud to make a confidant of the servant, or to confide to him of his father's conduct, or even that of Robert. Leonard Hust watched the boy carefully, and entered keenly into his feelings, until at last he said, I wasn't the only one who saw you save her ladyship's pet, Master Charles. It wasn't father or mother that saw it, asked Charles quickly, as he recalled the injustice he had just experienced at their hands, under Robert's prompting. No, Master Charles. Was it Cousin Helen? continued the boy. Yes, Master Charles, answered Leonard Hust, with a knowing smile. Oh, said the boy, as a glow of pleasure lit up his features for a moment. It was evident that the knowledge of the said Cousin Helen's having seen his exertions to save the little favorite spaniel gave Charles not a little satisfaction. Now Cousin Helen, as a little blue-eyed child of eight years, the daughter of the family whose estate joined that of Bramble Park, was called, was no cousin at all, but the children had thus nicknamed each other, and they were most happy playmates together. Robert, who was three years his brother's senior, was more fond of little Helen than of anybody else. Indeed, in spite of his ill temper, he was wont to try and please her at any cost. But the child, who was as beautiful as a little fairy, did not respond at all to his advances of friendship, while to Charles she was all tenderness and confiding in everything, kissing him with childish fervor and truth whenever they parted, a familiarity she never permitted to his brother. The truth was, Robert, to his great discomfiture, was aware that Charles's manly and courageous act of saving the dog had been witnessed by Helen, though his brother knew it not until told by Leonard Hust. This had aggravated Robert so much that he had hastened home, and fabricating a story of Charles having thrown the dog into the pond, and wet himself completely, preparing his parents for a rough reception of his brother when he should return, and hence the treatment he received. Leonard made his young master change his clothes, and after making him comfortable, left him to amuse himself in the open park with his ball, where the light-hearted Charles was soon thoughtlessly happy, and forgetful of the unkindness of Robert and the injustice of his parents. So light are the cares and mishaps of youth, so easily forgotten are its hardships, either seeming or real. Happy childhood! Whether little cousin Helen had been on the watch for Charlie, or whether she was there by accident, it matters not. Suffice it to say that the two soon met in their headlong career of fun and frolic, and two more joyous or merry spirits never met on the soft green sward than these. Now they tire of the play at ball and sit down together close by the brink of the clear deep pond, next the rich flower beds that shed their grateful fragrance around the spot. Cousin Helen, still panting from the exertion of the play, looked thoughtfully into the almost transparent water, and involuntarily heaved a sigh that did not escape her companion's notice. Art sick, Cousin Helen? asked Charles quickly. Nay, not I, said the pleasant-voiced child. Not I, Charlie. But you sighed as though you were very tired or in pain, he continued. 
Did I? said the child thoughtfully. Well, I believe I did. And what for, Cousin Helen? said Charles tenderly, parting her natural ringlets back from her beautiful and radiant face, doubly radiant now as she looked up into his, so confidingly and so affectionately. I was thinking, she said ingeniously, how cruel Robert was to your mother's pet. I don't see how he could do such a thing. Do you, Charlie? Robert is quick-tempered, said his brother, and perhaps regrets it now. I guess the dog bit him, or something of that sort. He was too generous, too manly to complain of Robert's cruel treatment of him, or to mention the unkindness he had experienced from his parents. But he had not forgotten these occurrences, and his lip once more quivered with emotion, and his clear, handsome eyes were suffused with tears. Quick as thought his little companion divined with womanly instinct the cause, for she was not ignorant of the state of affairs, young as she was, that existed at Bramble Park. Drawing nearer to his side, she threw one arm tenderly and with childish abandon over his neck, and with the other brushed away the gathering tears, until Charles smiled again and leaned over and kissed her sweet little lips, as a brother might have done and then together they plucked a beautiful bouquet and busied themselves in arranging it and classifying the various plants by their botanical names, for both children were well versed in this delightful study, young as they were. While they were thus engaged, Robert came up and angrily discovered the two children thus happy together. Saying some rude things to Charles, he pushed him away from his playmate's side with rude and brutal force, throwing Charles to the ground. This was too much, even for his forbearing spirit, and the injured and outraged boy, smarting under the previous injury he had endured, rose quickly to his feet, and with one blow knocked Robert heavily upon the ground. The blow had been a severe one, and the boy was faint and unable to stand for a moment. Charles looked at him for an instant, then helped to raise him up, and waited until he was again sufficiently conscious to walk. Then he saw him walk angrily toward the house where he knew very well what would follow on his return there. All the while his little companion had stood regarding first one and then the other. Now Charles stepped to her side and said, I am sorry, Helen, but it is very, very hard to bear. She shook her little head as he spoke, but held up her lips for the kiss he offered, and saw him turn away from home towards the distant town. End of chapter 4 Recording by Jerry Dixon Zephyr Hills, Florida.